All right, welcome to the first episode of the Goal to Go podcast. I'm honored to welcome you all here. Thank you for listening as we have a special episode planned to kick things off today. Here with me are the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coaches, Slater Carlton and Tristan Haynes. Uh, how are y'all today? I'm good, my man. How about you? I'm good. Right? I'm good. Slater? Doing good, man. I can't complain. Hope y'all are doing all right. I'm good. I'm glad y'all are here. Um, officially, welcome. Um, let's get started. So first... Um, I want to start by asking both of you, uh, really, I want to season one rundown. We'll go Slater, Tristan, Slater, Tristan, whatever. Um, what were your expectations coming into the season? How did your season finish in terms of those expectations? And what would you say, or how would you say this season finished for you? Uh, did they exceed, meet, or fall short? Of expectations, uh, you know, certain aspects of season one for the Steelers were pretty good. Um, I do like how our defense held up all season. One expectation that absolutely fell short was our offense. Uh, it's, a, it's a mixture of not having a leader on offense, game planning. Uh, you know, I take the credit for that not meeting expectations because uh, um, being the head coach, a lot of that comes back on me. I uh, could have had somebody better in there, and I didn't. So I take full responsibility for that. Uh, as far as the defensive side of the ball goes, you know, I feel like I've got one of the most talented defenses in the league. I've got a handful of players that are in there every day putting in work. I've got one player who's even surpassed me as far as his overall goes. Uh, that's Andrew Caldwell. So, I mean, they're definitely putting in the work. They're making the stop. It's just a matter of our offense couldn't keep up. All right. And, uh, Tristan, what, what were your expectations coming in? And uh, did how did the season finish? Did they exceed expectations? Did they meet – did the season meet your expectations or uh, anything fall short? Um. We absolutely ex- exceeded my expectations. I mean, coming into any sort of league as a head coach, you want progress. You want moving forward, and of course, you you want the ring. You want you want the trophy. That that's why we play. That was my expectation. My expectations weren't you know just have a good season. We'll see what we can do. Out of the gate, I came in wanting to win. And not just wanting to win a game or two, wanting to win all of it. Um, did not expect nine and one. Gotta be honest. I expected to be right around the <clears throat> right around the six and four, seven and three area. <clears throat> did did not expect nine nine and one. Um, I I had a, a couple players who uh. Who really, <clears throat> who really shot over what I was expecting from them as individuals? But overall, we met we met my goal. We we met my goal in bringing home the TNE Trophy. 
that 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 was it that was that was what I wanted to do but during the season you know we uh we we brought in we were able to bring in some people we brought in some solid receivers and uh Omar we got uh Ethan Haynes, we managed to bring in Michael Caboose, our free safety, and Robert Cron, uh, Jamari Mito, uh, Michael Potter. We brought in a lot of people. And I think, you know, Ethan Haynes, uh, Michael Mall there in the Super Bowl, and, uh, my, Michael Caboose, really, they all severely surpassed what I expected from them. I didn't have any sort of tape on them coming in. I was just kind of, I like the way they present themselves. And they definitely, they definitely showed up. All right, another question for both of you. We'll start with Slater again. Um what was one positive and one negative takeaway you got from season one? And that's in terms of your team, your season, um, not the league as a whole. As far as a positive takeaway, uh, you know, it was, I think, the day after the Super Bowl had ended. I went ahead and reached out to everybody in the locker room. I gave them the opportunity if they wanted to opt out of their contracts, they were welcome to. Uh, and I got nothing but I'm not leaving. I'm a killer for life. And even when you're classified as the worst team in the league as far as the record goes, ended up with a first-round pick. That's that's a position that no head coach wants to be in. But when you have the players that believe in you and they're willing to stay regardless of what the record was, that shows a whole lot. That's an extreme positive that I had out of that. so I know next season, if I was to lose every game, they're going to stick with me. If we go undefeated and win the Super Bowl, they're going to stick with me then, too. So that's a huge positive for me. As far as negative goes, uh, it's a matter of, you know, putting points on the board. Really, as a team, that's our main focus right now. Uh, the defense, like I said earlier, have been on cue from day one. Uh, the couple games where we just got blew out of the water. Those were completely on me. I had the defense out of place. Uh, just went with the wrong scheme. Week two against Tampa Bay, for example, uh, really wasn't as familiar with the Buccaneers offense as I should have been. And they ended up just picking us apart. And that was on me. Defense was where they were supposed to be. They wasn't out of scheme. It was just a matter of game plan. Uh, but offensively, we just got to put something on the board. That's our only downside right now. That's the biggest negative we got. All right. And, uh, Tristan, there's not really many negatives you can take. Um, the, the biggest negative I see from you is the, the, the single loss. Um, as a head coach that had a team that successful in a season, I mean, it's bound to happen, but you got to look at that one loss as uh, – as, Dang, we we were one win away from a perfect season. But what's one positive and one negative you have from this season? Um, 
believe it or not, I've actually got quite a few negatives that I could pull from this season just because I'm a very – I have a very growth-style mindset. There's always – even if you go undefeated, there's always something negative that you can take away from it to make yourself better. Um, positive, of course, you know – we we managed to to click as a team from the start. From game one, we came in guns a blazing. After watching, after watching how my week one went, um, I know that that win kind of dropped how people thought the Ravens were going to play this season. And they ended up being in the AFC Championship. They ended up being better than the team that I played in uh, in the Super Bowl all the way up until the game that, you know, really counted. Uh, so just our, our, our camaraderie all season, it just, it was there. But negatively, I mean, you know, we have Kai Smith that's, I swear does his best every week to give me a coronary. Um, I, I I need him to be a little more uh, a little more wise with his decisions. The man needs to learn how to slide. I'm gonna have to see if I could talk to a couple baseball players and see if I can get somebody to teach him how to slide. It's it's okay. I, I I would personally volunteer myself to come teach him how to slide, but I I slide head first. So Man, don't do that. <laughs> I slide head first. Don't do that. Um, you would think I would have learned my lesson because when I was four years old, I slid head first in the in the. Well, I wasn't four. I was like seven actually. <laughs> um, it, it was a little bit later in my youth career, but I, I had I had adapted to baseball in a different way. Um, baseball was very, very big on my childhood. So I had adapted differently and I became, you know, coming out of football at the same time, I was looking for contact and in baseball, you don't have a lot of it. So I was one of those players that I'm running home. You're going to make a, if you're going to attempt to make a play, I'm not going to slide. And and at that point, the bull rush was a big thing. So if that catcher's going to stand in my way, you're going to get ran through. And so I wasn't much of a slider. And then I got in trouble because I was running through kids. And I was a fullback in YFL. I was a pretty stocky kid, so I was hurting some people, (laughs) running through catchers and stuff. But I started sliding, and I started sliding head first. And I slid head first into home plate one time. And the catcher stepped on my arm. So you think I would learn my lesson from sliding head first all the time, but I never have. I hardly ever slide on my rear, and when I do slide, normally, um, it it's been so long since I've slid on my back that my slides look ridiculous. Like I'm probably the worst slider in the history of baseball. So. I would recommend myself, but I slide head first, so that probably wouldn't help Kai Smith very much. But I think I think my biggest negative that I can take away 
it, you know, isn't even the fact that we lost to the Vikings. It was the fact that that showed me that we, if the deficit grows, if we go down by like 10 or more, we struggle really, 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 really bad at getting points on the board when we need it. I'm glad you said that because that's going to come into one of my questions later. Because, you know, we come out at the start of the game with full confidence, but it's like the morale in the locker rooms, and it's just not there. And so I uh, that was the first time that we had really – been like I'm not going to say it's the first time that we've trailed but that was the first time that we've really been down and that proved that one of the big things that me as a head coach I need to focus on is making sure that my team knows you know just because you're down in a game doesn't put you out you fight to that very last whistle because that's the only time the game stops. Um, Slater, you got off to a rough start. Uh, first time serving as a sim league head coach, really a first time for all of us. Um, I've I've been me personally. I've been involved in a couple conversations in the past of what an offenses should do, but in terms of head coach, we're all new to this. But first time serving as a head coach, start you, you had a rough start. Started the season uh oh and five but finished three and seven uh how can you describe that slow start and rather really a, a fantastic finish now you know it's really honestly just aggravating uh because that first game you know we played the panthers lost by one point everything was really pretty good you were just a better team within the final minute and a half. And things look really great from there. I know on oh and one as the first game we lost by one. Not a big deal. We're gonna come back next uh next week. Not gonna have a problem. We're gonna win that one. And then we got blew out of the water in week two. And then in week three, we played really well. Everything clicked again. Uh it just came down to like again those final couple of minutes. Uh then week four we played terrible again. And it was just, it was like that all season long. One week, everything was perfect. The next week, everything was just way off track. Um, you know, don't really know how to explain that as much as, you know, just consistency. Something we got to work on. But definitely aggravating considering I know the talent that we have. And I know the teams that we are running are effective against the team we're playing. It's just a matter of being able to get there. Uh, so that's one thing we do definitely have to do a lot of work on. Uh, between that and, you know, I'm going to be a broken record probably throughout this whole thing, putting up points. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, you started the season a perfect 7-0. Uh, when did you first realize that this team was going to be so special? Uh, week three. We, we played the Ravens. And we played the Ravens, and they were a pretty solidly balanced team. That they had, they had a good defense. They had a pretty great offense. 
And but <clears throat> you know, game one, you're still getting your bearings. You're figuring out how you want to work as a team. You're figuring out what kind of team you're gonna be. So I don't, I don't really look at weeks one and two. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to say they don't matter. You know, because then I feel like that takes away from all the teams that won weeks one and two. But me personally, I look at it as weeks one and two could very well be flukes. You know, if you if you don't meet them again later on in the season, you could have very well just gotten lucky that game. Um, week three. We played the Los Angeles Chargers, who has undoubtedly, at least in my opinion, the the best offense in the league. They have a stellar offensive unit, and we managed to come away with that one after beating uh, Tracy Cross and. Austin Flynn and the Ravens. And after being able, no offense to you, Slater, but after being able to do what we did against that super talented uh, Pittsburgh defense, then on top of it, we come out on top against the best offense in the league. That uh, that was when I realized that we we had ourselves a unit on on both sides. I would have definitely liked to see more from uh, our defensive captain. He he just kind of blended in this season, yeah. and and Damian Lewis. But other than that, um. Cameron Farmer really showed out. Michael Potter showed out from the first game he that we had him. Was, yeah, week three, I, I knew that the Super Bowl – week three, I knew that the Super Bowl was definitely something that was within grasp. Yeah. Uh, again, Tristan, your team faced a lot of different situations this season from winning big to winning close – uh, to losing big, don't forget that part. That kind of comes with being the team to beat, though. But one thing we didn't see much of was you guys down on the scoreboard. Uh, y'all were trailing at one point in the Super Bowl. What were you telling your players uh, when they were down in the biggest game of the season? Keep your head up. Absolutely, this game's not over. We've come back from worse. Make sure you go out there, fly around, make plays, because you fight till that final whistle. That that's just all there is to it. It doesn't matter what that scoreboard says until the clock hits triple zeros. Whenever that clock says, whenever the clock ends, and it's not tied, that's when the scoreboard matters. I I'm, I take pride in the way that I coach, and I coach in a in a very uh, no mercy way. You know, I don't I don't drop to a knee. 
to, to finish out the game. I Well, at least I try not to. We did in the Super Bowl because I didn't want... Kai Smith has had issues protecting the ball this season. I didn't want to risk, you know, having him fumble the football or throw an interception and inevitably cost us the game because that's all it takes. But other than that, you know, if we're up, we run up the score. If we're down, we fight like we, we fight like we are up. Like we're like we're trying to put the game away. Uh, Slater, you seem to kind of struggle this season to find a consistent enough fit at quarterback. Uh, how did you fight through that issue? Uh, have you found the answer in Jay Burton? And what are your plans for that position going into season two? Yeah, well, that was a definite problem that we had from week two throughout was the quarterback position. And, you know, after week two, we all knew everybody in the league that quarterback wasn't a shooter at Steelers. Uh, we had Danny McBride come in after I traded Tyler McCowan for a pretty stellar safety uh, out of you, Carolina. Uh, and Danny, Danny McBride, Danny McBride, sorry, that's not the right name. Uh, you know, he was just way too inconsistent for us. Uh, he would either throw a perfect pass 50 yards downfield, or he could throw two or three picks from 10 yards away. He could rush for 10 yards one play, and then he could get Stacked for 20 the next. Uh, so it was just way too big of an inconsistency issue. And when it came down to fourth quarter and we had chances to win, he couldn't put up. He buckled under pressure. Uh, and I don't completely blame him for that. You know, he's new. Uh, he's just not a fit for this offense, which is why he's currently on the trade block. Uh, Jay Burton definitely shined better than McBride did. Or I think it was the final four weeks that he played. Uh, proving that point, you know, he beat Baltimore, beat Chargers, and that was two big teams right there. It's a big accomplishment. Uh, as far as the quarterback position goes, though, you know, there's a couple quarterbacks in the draft that I'm kind of keeping my eye on. I have to see what they look like. I have to work them out a little bit. At the moment, the quarterback position is still an open position in my book. I don't have a solid starter as of right now. If the season was to start today, it would be Jay Burton. But considering the time that we have left, the players we have coming available, the quarterback position is 100% up for grabs. And Jay Burton knows that. I have no doubt in my mind, especially considering he didn't touch the field for the first six weeks of play. Uh, he wasn't even the thought at that time. It was one of those where playoff contention, we were already knocked out of that. Uh, and we had almost cemented the first round pick. We knew we were getting the first or second round. So I was at the point where let's just see who we got, what we got left, see how they do. Jay Burton really surprised me. But, uh, yeah, at the moment, that's still a position that's up for grabs. Yeah. Uh Looking at the playoffs, Tristan, the Bucks were the number one seed. 
Um, what were you expecting in the playoffs? How did you get to the Super Bowl? And how did your team feel winning after or after winning the TNA TNA trophy? Um, if I could speak. That'd be nice. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was a little nervous. Um, the Rams really. Even even though we beat the Rams twice, the Rams really showed us that mobile quarterbacks are an issue. Mobile quarterbacks cause problems for us in Tampa Bay. Cody Haynes showed that. Which, I mean, you know, of course, you have to take into consideration, okay, well, he won MVP, I get it. But regardless, quarterbacks that can move as well as throw cause serious problems for us. Um, so I was nervous because we have Dustin Viscount who we have Dustin Viscount who showed that he had wheels you know the first couple weeks but then kind of shied away from it for whatever reason and we had Tracy Cross who didn't get the nickname Trackstar for nothing um so so I was a little nervous I wasn't sure how well our defensive unit was going to be able to cope with that because neither one of them do you you don't shut either of them down it doesn't happen just like Cody you don't you don't stop him from getting numbers you can try but if you try to prevent him and only him from getting his numbers you lose the game So I was I was definitely a little bit anxious to see how Kai Smith and my offense would function, knowing that they're gonna get theirs. Um, we have a pretty solid linebacker core. You know, we starring Damian Lewis and Rudy Perkins, which shout out to Rudy Perkins. Okay, I see you. That's a different conversation, but I see you. A little bit of toe drag swag out there in the end zone in the super. I see you. Um, but just like I figured would happen, you know, in the NFC Championship, we played Cody again, and we came out on top. We, we managed to uh, – we managed to respond to Cody getting his numbers. Um, and then in the Super Bowl, we had Dustin, who really got his numbers. He, uh, I'm not going to lie, a couple times it looked like he was they, was, uh, they were starting to pull away with it. But Kai Smith went out and just played how he should have all year. He came out and shined. And uh, got himself a Super Bowl MVP. I just definitely am proud of the the progression that I saw in my quarterback. Um, so, question for both of you. Oh, really? No, I'm sorry. How how, how did y'all celebrate after after winning the Super Bowl? I gotta know. 
I'll just say this. We did what we did. And it, it was a whole lot of fun. But now it's back to the gridiron. Now we're back to work. Um, we're, we're about to try to go back to back. Again, real quick, I'm just going to touch on that topic. Um, where are the where are the Bucks now? You know, every team takes time off after the season, and champions normally party, go party on vacation. Um, where are the Buccaneers now, and what are they doing? Uh, they're 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 right back in. You know, they're uh, we we have a couple. We have a, we have a couple of people who are. Uh, Taking their time away from Tampa, uh, going to see family and other places and things like that. But for the most part, we, we've we've got a full unit on the practice field. We, you know, none of us are partying. None of us are, you know, doing anything that could jeopardize our play season two. Um, so, question for both of you. Uh, Slayer, we'll start with you again. What are you? What are your plans for the off season? And uh, do you, if any, if you have any, what are your expectations for season two? So one thing I've already made clear for season two is we're coming back with a vengeance in season two. Season one absolutely did not meet any of my expectations. Like uh, going three and seven was not part of the plan. Five and five was a worst case scenario for me when this started. Uh, so, as far as Steelers go, uh, they probably aren't a big fan of me right now because before season one even ended, we're already in the wait. Uh, as far as I was concerned, season ten is when ours ended. We still showed up at the playoffs, still supported the team, still supported the league. But then, as soon as those games were over, we're right back at work. Uh, season two, you know, we're going to come out hard. Um, plans for the off season, it really doesn't change much. Um, work, 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 work. There's some adjustments that are being made as far as player improvements go. Moment, as far as defensively, I don't believe I'm going to have any position changes. I, all my players are pretty much set where they're going to be at. I wouldn't like to change anything. A couple people that I'm looking to add to help us out there. Same thing on offense. Um, a couple of targets that I would like to get for a quarterback, whether that be Jay Burton, you know, whether I pick up somebody from the draft, whether a new per, uh, person comes in with a walk on, or whatever case that may be, looking to add a couple of targets, improve a couple of targets. And after knowing now what I know from season one, Josiah Campbell's probably going to play a big part. Uh, he's definitely a workhorse. Uh, you know, we'll just have to see how it goes. Man, what about you, Tristan? What uh, what are your expectations going into season two? And uh, what are your plans for the offseason? We don't have offseason. It's the same grind that we had all the way, you know, from the start. It's the same grind. 
as soon as we left that uh <clears throat> as soon as we left the stadium in the Super Bowl the next day right back in the weight room right back on the field and my expectations are simply do it again we uh season 1 showed us that uh season 1 showed us that we could do it. Season season one showed us that the Super Bowl is very much in our grasp. It is very possible, and we don't have to wait for it. it it's we don't have to build toward it. We're gonna build toward it. We're gonna add more pieces. We're gonna try to, you know, I guess you could say thicken up our roster, but. Reload instead of rebuild. Yeah, we 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 have the squad. It is there, so I don't feel like I should expect anything else. I I see that the uh, I see that the Rams are kind of <clears throat> trying to build a case against me. I see that they they went out and picked up they uh, they kind of stole the charge the Chargers tight end, brought back their quarterback. They kind of took the uh, the Colts linebacker from them, and I've seen a couple shots thrown at me. I've I've seen it, but I know super teams don't work. You yep. you can't you can't have a whole bunch of stars and win the big game. That very, very rarely happens. Like that's the thing about Tampa is we don't have, you know, we, we don't we don't have a team of goats. We have a team of warriors. We ain't got to be the greatest to ever play in every position, but all of us are hungry for another title. Uh, final portion is going to be for both of you. Uh, I'm going to read through the awards from this season and the awards winners, and I want both of you, or I would like for both of you to give your input on the award winners from this year. Um, starting with the most active member, so you were the winner of that award. So, uh, I guess we can start with you. Um, what were your thoughts after winning that award? Uh, it's definitely nice knowing that it's an acknowledgement more than anything. Because uh, that's one thing, you know, no matter if I'm at work from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., I'm going to throw something in the chat, going to try to hype somebody up for the next game, just see what everybody's doing. Um, just trying to keep things, you know, a little bit lively. Make sure things don't fall flat on us. So it's, it's nice to have the acknowledgement there. And Kristen, what what are your thoughts on the winner of most active member? I'm glad it was him. If anybody in season one showed their dedication, even over myself, even over everybody. If anybody deserved to get 
that recognition, it was it was definitely Slater. He definitely showed that regardless of what he's got going on, he'll be there. Yeah. I, I I appreciate the 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 dedication severely. Um, team spirit, most active locker room we can kind of put together because the same team won it. Uh, Slater. Carolina Panthers win Team Spirit and Most Active Locker Room Awards. What's your opinion on that? And I also put this in the Discord as well. You know, my opinion is you think of a more deserving team. Uh, everybody's passionate about their own team. Yes, there's no doubt about that, and that's in no way a dig at anybody else. However, Carolina had the most activity in their locker room, hyping each other up, hashtag keep pounding, in the Twitch stream, it was always there. Uh, even in the league chat, the off-topic channel, it didn't matter what it was. It seemed to always come back somehow to some part of the thing. So for me, it was a no-brainer. Carolina owned that one. And Tristan? Um, I got to be honest. <clears throat> I, I have to be honest. I think that the uh, I think that the team spirit should have been split, just because the Carolina Panthers and the Pittsburgh Steelers finished with the same record. And I I had talked to a couple of Steelers. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I had talked to a couple of Steelers and was talking to them, seeing about how they would feel about being Buccaneers in season two. And they all told me, you know, we understand. At the time, it was like, we understand you're 4-0, you're 5-0, you're 7-0, but we bleed black and yellow. And that's not going to change. So, for both of them, um, they definitely showed their uh, their pride in their team regardless of record. So I, I, I do kind of feel like the uh, I do kind of feel like the Steelers were stripped a little bit of their of their recognition and team spirit. But most active locker room absolutely was the Carolina Panthers. Absolutely. I I would post the you know a super long you know, his game time message and get crickets. The Panthers would post, hey, how you doing, and get 15 responses. So they definitely clutch that one. Um, going back to Slater, the game of the year, AFC Championship game, Ravens versus Chargers. Um, it was a very fantastic game. Went to overtime, actually. Uh, what's your thoughts on that one? In whatever football league you want to look at, whether it's the NFL, CFL, the XFL, you know, no matter what it is. Tell me the last time a playoff championship game went to overtime and almost went into a straight tie uh, because both teams were so on point. But I can't think of one, and that one was just a football clinic on both sides of the field. Both teams went out there and showed how to execute everything perfectly. 
and you know look at the outcome. I thought that one was most deserving of that award. I couldn't argue with it at all. Tristan? The AFC Championship game was simply the epitome of how to play football. From every aspect. When you're leading, how to keep up the intensity. When you're down, how to fight back. How to not let a turnover you know, kill your morale. How how to take every situation and answer it correctly. All the way down to the, it was just about 60-yard field goal with five seconds remaining. From a kicker that was pretty inconsistent from long distance. That's just, that, yeah. that game was simply the epitome of having ice in your veins. Go out there, do your job. Absolutely game of the year. So, I was able to be given the honor of being awarded the coach of the year. So, Slater, what's your opinion there? For coach of the year, you know, it's uh... – you are constantly working game plans, getting everybody hyped up. Always asking for the keep pounding. You know, you were there for all of it. And even though, like I said, prior to this interview, your record really does not reflect how well your team actually played and how good y'all actually are. But for me personally, I had no doubt that you were coach of the year. Uh, it was a toss-up for me between choosing – out of us three, actually. Uh, for myself, it was, you know, even though we started 0-5, never losing track of what we were trying to do. For Tristan, it was 9-1 and winning the Super Bowl. But ultimately, you know, it comes down to how much dedication and heart you were actually able to put into it. So for me, that's why you deserve that one. And Tristan? With the exception of the Chargers going in, <clears throat> going into the Super Bowl, I watched Eric week in and week out, spending hours, hours and hours and hours coming up and concocting the perfect game plan that, you know, fell short because of player error, that fell short. Because Dustin Shaw felt like running backwards. Or Justin Morris Jr. was throwing the ball to nobody. Or the fact that no quarterback in the AFSL can hit a solid uh, a check down to the flats without soaring it out of bounds. It just doesn't happen. But watching Eric just for hours, every play of every situation was handpicked. You know, I, I take pride in what I do as a coach, and I feel like, yeah, I did a pretty good job. I went out and got the ring. But, and with Slater, uh, just the nonstop dedication and Figuring out 
a way to take a franchise that was slowly digging itself a hole, just constantly trying to figure out how, how to get up out of it. If not all the way, maybe a step. And even with uh, the Chargers head coach, Dusty Viscount, he was all over it too. I just, I feel like Eric ran away with it. The hours upon hours of figuring out exactly what plays to run and when, that was the difference maker. So for Defensive Player of the Year, Slater, your player was awarded DPOY. Um, What what were your thoughts after being awarded that award? Yeah, you know, I'm greatly appreciative of that one. I felt like there could have been multiple other players that deserved Defensive Player of the Year. Indianapolis is Chris Morgan, for example. Uh, however, you know, it's an honor for me to be able to get that one, take it home. You know, one thing about it that I have mentioned in this court as well, the heart's never going to not be there. Whenever the ball is hitting the ground, even if he didn't get the tackle, he was right there beside him, ready to put his hands on it. Uh, so constantly flying around, constantly on top of the ball, just, you know, all around being in the game. So I appreciate that one. And uh, Tristan, what's your thoughts on the defense play of the year? Um, that's one that whenever I weighed in on, I, I wasn't only looking at stats because Andrew Caudle was up there. Uh, Tampa Bay's Damian Lewis was up there. Uh, Chris Morgan was up there. You know, we, we had – and honestly, Slater Carlton, Slater Carlton's stats were the lowest. But, like, it was very well l- spread out. L- like he said, even if he wasn't there, getting you know actually being credited the tackle, he was there every play. Maybe you know, maybe the running back has to bounce back inside. Because Slater's sitting there waiting for him on the edge, which gets the D-lineman a tackle. You know, there's much more that goes into a defensive player of the year than just the stats. Yeah, and Slater's stats were also very well spread out. Like uh, Chris Morgan, I believe, had more tackles, but Slater also compiled tackles for losses and sacks as well. So for for me that was really what did it was the fact that he did it and or he made plays at every level. He got to the quarterback, he, he got to running backs and receivers in the backfield. And even when people were making plays on offense, Slater was dragging them down immediately. So they they were very well spread out, and that's what done it for me because you look at guys like Damian Lewis and Chris Morgan, they had that one stat line that stood out. But then you look at Slater, who had potentially lower numbers, but he was making an impact in, at every level. And so that's what did it. Offensive player of the year was Justin Morris Jr. 
Slater, your thoughts? So for Offensive Player of the Year, you know, it was somewhat of a tough choice. I don't want to say completely because it was almost unanimous for me. I'd already had it set in my mind whoever didn't win MVP was getting Offensive Player of the Year. There were a couple players that made very, very strong arguments for it. However, for me, the one that stood out was JMJ. You know, mountain comebacks almost every game, getting downfield, marching down the field every game. Constant leader on both sides of the ball. You know, even when the cameras panned to the sidelines, you've seen him talking to the defense. For me, that was a no-brainer. Offensive player of the year was Justin Moore Jr. Tristan? Uh, there, was, there was nobody who made an argument for me. Um, I see it as what gave Cody Haynes MVP was his team's overall record. And that was, that was even at the hands of me, you know? Um, I, I just, I couldn't bring myself to give MVP to somebody who was on a three and seven team, but from an offensive standpoint, nobody came close to Justin Morris Jr. They just didn't. Is that all? Yeah. Okay. Um, MVP was Cody Haynes. Um, so, your thoughts? For me, that one personally was a tough one for the fact that you think about most valuable player, I think of a valuable player. <clears throat> I don't think of somebody who, excuse me, <coughs> was able to take their team to undefeated record or yeah, nine and one, eight and two, whatever the case may be. But that one person who made the difference for every game. Uh, for me, that was a toss up between Justin Morris Jr. and Cody Haynes. Ultimately, looking at the two, if you take Cody Haynes away from the Rams in season one, I don't think you have the season they had. Uh, so that's why I ended up thinking Cody Haynes for MVP was the best. And Tristan? Um. Just kind of bounce off of what Slater said. Whenever I think of MVP, I think of exactly what it stands for, the most valuable player. And I, I 100% agree that if you take – you know, it, it, it boils down to who was the difference for that team. Uh, Justin Morris Jr. having sure hands in Brett Kelly – uh, Dustin Shaw, although he had a couple of uh, what are you doing games, he was a really solid running back in season one. And I just, I feel like you, uh, I feel like if you put somebody different in. Justin Moore and Justin Morris Jr.'s spot, they could still very possibly be three and seven. You know, they could still notch the three wins. I feel like if you <clears throat> if you put somebody else in Cody Haynes' spot, because yes, they have like a Sebastian Goodwin, they have Therese, but 
they were extremely inconsistent from the jump. Sometimes they would catch the super contested the super contested ball, but then they would drop the wide open 50-yard bomb down the field that's easily a house call. All they got to do is hold on to it. And I just I don't I don't feel like the Rams make the playoffs without Cody Haynes. Not in season one. I think without Cody Haynes, uh, the Rams arguably become the worst team in the league. Because the threat that Cody Haynes caused with his ability to run as well as his ability to throw, how evenly spread out he was in season one, is what caused such a problem. He was such a game-planning nightmare for all of their opponents. was just his ability to, to do it all from the same spot. All right. Um, so that wraps up all my questions. Uh, Slater, any final comments? You know, I don't believe so. Um, one thing I do want to point out is for Tristan, actually. You know, one thing I would recommend keeping in mind is even though you can pull negatives away from everything that happened in the season, you just won a Super Bowl. I wouldn't focus on those as much right now. You still went 9-1. Still one doll. So ultimately, even if there was a couple of negatives as far as you know, consistency goes, you still have everything there to prove that it didn't make a difference. For me, that's what I would look at more than anything else is, you know, there was a very, very slim amount of negatives. I would focus more on the positives uh, as much. Other than that. All right. Uh, Tristan, any final comments? Uh, the only reason I focus on the negatives is because in season one, we had very little negatives. And that's not me trying to be cocky. That's just me saying it how it is. We didn't have much negativity this season. So if we're able to cut out that slim bit of negativity that we had, then we literally play perfect football. So it's not as much as I'm, you know, stressing the negativity to my team and taking away the fact that we did just go 9-1. and one. We did win the Super Bowl. It's just, all right, this is what we got to get better at because if we get better at this, nobody stops us. And the only other... You know, comment that I have is watch out for season two because Tampa's about to run it back. All right. Well, that one that one was for y'all, Rams. I see you. One it's more comment like to throw out there as far as assistant commissioner goes, you know, not as far as head coach goes. Huge shout out to everybody that participated in season one. You know, if it wasn't for any of you guys, I wouldn't have had a reason to be as active in the Discord as I was to get that award. I wouldn't have had a reason to be making graphics, to stay on top of everybody, see how they're doing. 
going in each, everybody's locker room, make sure they're all hyped up. If it wasn't for anybody that we had in season one, there'd be no point in me being here. So shout out to y'all. For me, season one ended up being a success. We ranged between five to 15 viewers in the Twitch. And for something that got little recognition, I think that's a pretty decent way to start up. Uh, from what I've gathered and heard of the grapevine, we've got a lot of people that have been looking into joining the league and just haven't taken the initiative to do that yet. So if you're listening now, jump in. Don't hesitate. You get a free player. Come on in. Uh, our TikToks have gotten multiple views. We're in the almost in the tens of thousands on there. Uh, our Twitter posts have gotten hundreds, almost thousands of views on each one. Instagram's the same way. So for me, season one's a success. Season two's just going to be that much more promising. So shout out to everybody that joined in. All right. Well, thank you both, Slater and Tristan, for joining and taking the time to do this interview. Um, it was fun. I'm glad to be finally getting out content for the league to listen to. Um, for everybody listening, thank you, wherever you may be listening from. You've been listening to Go to Go. And uh, I think we just scored a touchdown, fellas. Yes, sir. Y'all have a, a very blessed, good day. And uh, we'll see y'all next time. Thank you.